0: Remember that you can support the podcast via Patreon, the link is below, otherwise stay tuned for the podcast starting now. Um, so on the podcast today I'm joined by Rich Mulholland, um, just a bit of an impromptu kind of conversation uh, revolving around uh, changing times, especially from a, a business perspective uh, with regards to how cr- the coronavirus has started to impact uh, our everyday business, the the normality we used to and changing things to uh, a new normal. Um, So I thought it'd be good to speak to rich uh, on some of these things. Um, And yeah, one of the first thing was something I saw the other day was, this is a a type of wartime for CEOs. Uh, I don't know if you saw that rich.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did a video that actually compared it to uh, World War Two, and to speak about the embracing of a new normal. And I'm definitely a wartime CEO, like I've been bored in my business for many years. Uh, this is the most alive I've felt in ages. Uh, I realize that you get ascent uh, CEOs, you get decent CEOs, and you get cruise control CEOs. And I'm not sure if I'd be better on the way up or the way down. But I know I'm used to this when we're cruising.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's a strange time that that we're living in. Because, uh, yeah, it, I think for a lot of people, um, it, it's all a well, a lot of things is changed a, a lot of things are changing because of this, this virus. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if you've managed uh, to get toilet paper or eggs recently. Um, that, that's been quite a struggle here.
1: <laughs> oh really? Well, so we're a vegan household, so eggs aren't really a problem for us. I'm, I'm, I'm suitably happy that you guys are struggling with that. But uh, from the toilet paper point of view, you know, again, of all the things to worry about, toilet paper. Like, I'll wipe my ass with a bloody face cloth if I have to. I'm far more worried about eating. But so far, everything's been cool. You know, we've like been able to go out and get food. The shelves are pretty full. We've been able to order as we need it. It could get a lot worse, but for now, we're okay. Yeah, uh, from from
0: that perspective, I've seen. It it seems like, yeah. when I speak to my parents back in South Africa and that, that the South Africa is generally like a week or two behind uh, us in the UK. So like when people started stockpiling here uh, in, in the UK and that um, I told my parents, yeah, this is happening here. It's probably gonna happen there in, in a week or two's time. And, and the, yeah they thought, nah, it won't get that bad. Um, but my parents uh, subsequently, subsequently uh, went to the, the stores and that I uh, think yesterday and the day before uh, and yeah, there's always there's been these huge shortages in that um, So I think for South Africa is probably will get a bit worse uh, as it worsens there and spreads there um, But also another article I saw this this week uh, was um, regarding Lesotho and that's where they had a, um, a SADC meeting planned I think in Botswana uh, and because of the coronavirus, and that the, their delegates just stayed in Lesotho, um, and had a, a conference call or a, a, a virtual meeting, uh, and saved like a hundred thousand rand. Um, so, I I I know you did a a video on conference calling or or, or yeah, taking your 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 conference, uh, your, um, teachings and that online kind of thing. Um, so there's this kind of um, yeah, money to be saved, as well as a few other things, time, um, I think you've mentioned. Um,
1: so yeah, Yeah, so okay, so there's a lot there, right? So There's a lot to unpack. First of all, there's the savings of time and things and efficiency. So I've, I've spent basically no hours driving to meetings this week. Uh, but I've been busy. So I reckon I got more done in this week. By nearly a factor of two, than I get in the normal week. Because the other thing is the social interruptions. And it's horrible to, you know, say, chat to friends and things like this are social interruptions, but that's what they are. They've, they've all been mitigated. I've st- I have just had a catch-up call with a friend in New York. But again, because we catch up on Zoom every few months or every month, it's a 45-minute catch-up on a chat, see how things are going, and then we cut off. Whereas uh, if I met him for a lunch, it would be an hour and a half, two hours. So everything is more efficient there. But there's more to it than that. What is actually happening is this is an accelerant. So we've we've accelerated people's understanding of using these tools. So let's say, for example, a few months down everything changes. If everything changes back, we failed. We haven't we haven't gone forward. What we need to do is realize that everything has changed us. The most important thing is that we have changed. And when we go back to normal, we realize, well, certain meetings and catch-ups can be done via these tools we've been using, Zoom things. And in fact, the most important lesson that we've been trying to say to our clients is don't see this as an alternative to. See this as a, 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 a build upon. So instead of it being an alternative to your normal conference where you meet and greet in person, well, what can we do that we couldn't have done before? So one of our clients was doing a conference and they had a local speaker, and that was great. But now we've said, well, hold on a second. If we're doing it online, we can get an international speaker. There's no flights. There's no accommodation costs. And because the person's just lost all of their speaking gigs, we're able to offer them a South African speaker speaking fee to speak at their event from their house. And they were like, you know what? I'm doing nothing else that hour. I'm willing to do it. So now you have access to an international speaker coming to your country, refer, you know, talking to your teams. We've created these massive interactive experiences for people. And it can just be amazing it doesn't have to be bad. But people's mindset is, well, how can I make this, you know, just like a normal meeting? No, you don't want to do that. You want to use the new tools you have and make it better than you had before. The mindset has to be what, does what this forced me to be able to do now that I couldn't have done before? And why is this better?
0: And would you say it's like, there's like that kind of uh, adapt or die kind of thing uh, at the moment for businesses like you either start changing the way you do business, uh, to incorporate um, the, the new normal um, that the, that's been brought about by the virus and that, uh, or if, if you don't adapt, uh, your business will go under.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, and some businesses can rally, you know, they can batten down the hatches, and they can sit there and, and sit this out. But why would you want that to be your case? You know, I was chatting to a friend the other day and he said, you know, I'm just trying to build my brand over this time so that when everything changes on the on the, on the other side and uh, I'm able to, you know, I've got this better brand and so I'm doing all my writing and things, I'm not trying to get gigs. I'm like, why would you do that? Don't you want your story to be? Look what I created in this period of time. So if I'm booking a speaker after the fact and I have a choice between two, for example, one who sit there and wrote a bunch of articles and built their personal brand and the other who figured out a new way to reinvent their business. I want the the latter, not the former. So to me, you either hibernate or you adapt. You're either a hibernator or you're an adapter. And this is the kick in the ass that businesses have needed. You know, I just wrote an article on LinkedIn and I discussed this concept of these dual viruses. So there's two viruses. On one side, there's the coronavirus. And the coronavirus is the fire that's taking place in the corner of the cinema. And then you have the mimetic virus. And the mimetic virus is the result of people screaming fire as they run out the cinema. And our businesses are not being impacted by the coronavirus as much as so they're impacted by the mimetic virus, the, co- the panic that's been caused around these things. And so we need to kind of understand what we're reacting to here. We're not reacting to the coronavirus, we're re- reacting to the fact that people are stuck at home. And once we understand that, it forces us to say, well, you know, and what's exciting for me is the mimetic virus that has attacked my business. It has attacked the weakest parts of my business. So it attacked the bits of my company that had been on life support for years. The processes and systems that I should have killed off years ago. But I kind of, you know, legacy thinking and, and just because that's the way we used to do it. I've hung on to all of those things. But actually, this has attacked them. This is kind of said that you can't do business like this anymore. This doesn't make sense. Uh, You know what? And it's forced us to rethink and build the business we need tomorrow. So even if Missing Link, my main company, goes out of business tomorrow, let's say that happens. Let's say we have to close our doors. We've lost all of our clients. We go out of business. What happens on the flip side is we come out the other side. We've got no expenses, but we have a reputation. We have an email address that people are still contacting. And we, we have people calling us and saying, "Okay, this is what we need now. And we're able to build tools for the ground up. It's like starting a business where you have all—you oh, think you're starting from nothing, except you've got 23 years of reputation and you've got nothing holding you back. It is the most empowering. And I get people are dying and it's shit and it's horrible. I get that. But as an entrepreneur, I've not felt more entrepreneurial in years, and I'm learning so much about the people around me based on what they're posting on on social media. And if I can give one little thought, stop wasting time reading about the coronavirus because that's not what's attacking your business. You know, if you're a restaurant like me, the coronavirus isn't damaging my business. People cancelling events is damaging my business. So I shouldn't be reading about the coronavirus. I should be reading about how to take events online. You know, if, if you're being attacked, if you're a restaurant, you're not being attacked by the virus, you're being attacked by people not being able to leave their house. Start with that. Start with the mimetic virus that has attacked your business, not the coronavirus that caused it. We need to get our minds into that space. you got to attack the real enemy, and the enemy for your business is not the same as the enemy for your health.
0: Yeah, it's pivoting your your, your, your business. Uh, and and your
1: perspectives. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yep. yes. Um, and one of the other things I saw on all your tweets um, that you said uh, you fear the e- economic collapse more than the, the invisible warrior.
1: Um, do you mind maybe unpacking that a bit? Right. So. So I've been dealing with the fact almost guiltily and honestly guiltily, I've been dealing with the fact that I understand something bad is happening, but I'm doing pretty well. So I mean, even economically in one way, I took a short on the US economy about two years ago, predicting the US economy would go down. So that investment worked out pretty well. But I mean, not nearly enough to, not nearly enough to outdo the fact that I've lost all my revenue. However, um <clears throat> So I'm feeling quite upbeat, as you can hear. Like I'm upbeat about what I'm doing in my business. I'm upbeat about what has to be done in my business. I'm upbeat about being in the fight for my life in this business. But when I stop and I go to bed at night and I put down my book and I lie there, I think, what happens downstream? What happens when the people who I can't employ are no longer employed? And the people who they can't employ are no longer employed. And this goes all the way down and then, unfortunately, a lot of people won't have food and things and stuff. What happens when the, uh, uh, you know, the massive economic fallout hits poor, hungry people in South Africa? You know, I would, I, would, I would worry that a lot more people would die in a violent death in an uprising than would die from a corona disease. And in my mind, what's got to happen at some point if that was the case? And I'm not saying we should do this now. I'm saying if we get to the point where people are literally starting to be hungry and want to break into people's houses to steal food because they can't eat, at that point, we've got to say, we've got to go back to work. We actually have to revive the economy because if we don't arrive at the economy, there is going to be bloodshed. And at this point, people are going to have to have that mindset. And I, my comparison, as I mentioned earlier, is to kind of when the World War II started, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, the world's at war. And then they kind of hide in their houses and and they build these bunkers. And then what happens after a little while, you know, the the soldiers have gone to war and their spouses are at home. And then the spouses are like, well, we've got to go build these factories. And the elderly go and help them and the youth go and help them. And they build these factories and they get the economies back running. And they soldier on. It wasn't just the soldiers that were soldiering. It was everybody because people just had to realize, well, now we live in a world that's at war. That's our normal. It's, It's horrible. And it's a terrible place to be. But we can't just sit and watch it happen. We have to just go out into the world that is at war. And that's what I'm saying is we're we're at war with this invisible warrior. And at some point, we've got to decide what's the lesser of two evils, stay at home and let people go hungry because of the economic collapse, or just say, well, you know, we've got to go back to work. We've got to soldier on. We've got to keep the economy rolling. And my feeling is, my hope is, if we get and descend far enough into a chaos where chaos is close, people will realize we just got to go back to work. Some people will die, when they get this virus, some people, but we as a society will move on.
0: Yeah, I feel the same about that. I think, yeah, it's quite a tricky one, uh, weighing it up when it comes to uh, people's health and well being that but as well, taking in consideration the health uh, of your economy, Um, because uh, from the UK perspective, and that uh, I know, uh, yeah, with the shutting down of businesses and that, um, it, it's it's going to be very detrimental to the cash flow, obviously, and, and just industry in general, um. So it, it there will be a time, um, I think rather sooner than later where, uh, one will have to look at just yes, going back to work and kind of, uh, ignoring uh the health concerns a bit, um, just just to ensure that that that. that Economic clock keeps ticking over.
1: Of course, because you know people die. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the statistics around China. Uh, I don't know what the number is, but it was something like ridiculous. Like you know, say a thousand people a day die in car crashes in China, and they're not dying now because they're not driving. But uh, you know, three thousand four hundred people have died of the coronavirus. So you start doing the, the economics and or the, you know, the the when you start running the numbers, you realize, wow, OK, so different people are dying. It's horrific. But and this is no way trying to say that this is a good thing or even positive or even a silver lining. It's just a statement of facts that, you know, this is causing us to do different things. People today in South Africa and in the UK where you are, there are people today that on another day would have died in a car accident on the way to work that haven't because they're stuck at home. And I think this fact is irrefutable. So some people are dying, but we're only looking at the numbers of the people who are dying because of the virus. We're not looking at the other things. So what I'm saying is the hell, you know, we every day we choose to go out into the world and put ourselves at risk. I ride a motorcycle, and I remember chatting to a friend one day and he said to me, you know, I would love to buy a motorbike, but I want to live. Uh, uh, or he says, uh, you know, what was his words he said, you know, um, uh, he says something like, uh, "You know, I want to live." And I said, "Well, I do ride a motorbike because I want to feel alive." You know, like we we take risks every day with our behaviors, and that's what's going to happen. People are just going to decide this is a risk I'm willing to live with.
0: Mm. And I uh, well, I don't know. Uh, it hasn't reached South Africa yet, but I have seen uh, a bit on the news that the in the UK that they're trying to get uh, some form of universal stop and. Uh, over the next uh, 12 weeks or so, just to help households. And there's also been talk of something similar in America, uh, where the government will basically you know, give households yeah, uh, you know, a salary of, of sorts uh, to get by so people don't have to go to work.
1: Um, but do you think, like,
0: governments. South Africa is need...
1: trying that as well. Well, the, I've seen that the government has released a special webpage for SMMEs. To help keep them employing their people, so they've gone one step up the rung. They've said we'll give um, help to SMEs who are employing people to help them keep them employed. So that um, you know, and again, not only if those SMEs are running, yes, they're keeping people employed, but they're using that uh, as ways of reinventing so that you know the businesses can improve.
0: Mm. Do you think it's it is governments? Role to do that, um, or do you think that businesses kind of have to take the onus of we've got to, yeah, fight it ourselves? Uh, obviously, the government, uh, help and yeah, help it, it it is positive for those businesses, but in the end of the day, it's the, those businesses need to take maybe a bit the responsibility of, of the change,
1: yes, totally. And we all have, and that's the whole thing is everyone's got to take responsibility here. Right? This blame or frustration or anxiety is complete wasted emotion. What we've all got to turn around and say is, well, what can I do to move forward? And even, I think there's a a downside to being charitable. A lot of people are saying, well, I'm not going to focus on my business, you know, because I saw somebody say, you know, stop trying to save your businesses. Go out there, you know, trying to keep yourself wealthy. Go out there and help other people. But actually... If we agree that, you know, entrepreneurs and SMMEs and help the economy turning, by saving your business, you are impacting other people. This is not a time to just be like, you know that thing that says charity starts at home. If you sit there and we're spending all of our time just going out there and handing out free hand sanitizer or toilets, we're actually, again, solving the coronavirus problem to a degree, but we're not, but we're not solving the, uh, the larger mimetic virus problem. We actually have to go out there and everyone's going to make a concerted effort to dig their way out of this and to move forward. And if everybody does that, if everybody actually, in a, in, to some degree, is trying to work towards something bigger and better, like I'm trying to keep my staff excited about coming to work every day. I don't want them to feel like, oh, woe is me. I want energy to feel like, wow, we're winning. This is amazing. And they are. Well, then we'll move forward and then we will be impacting on the lives of people. That's what we have to do. We have to try and like, s- survive, revive, thrive, like all of these things.
0: I'm sure if you bring in donuts every day to the office or something like that, I'm sure that they'll get people coming into work, won't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have to we don't have to bring donuts into work. And like our people are loving working from home, we're having the best time. But one of my friends, um, I don't know if you know, Roger Norton, he, he runs a tech business, and they have water cooler s- sessions. So they have their normal Zoom meetings, but they also have sessions where they just say, um, "Hey, everyone, at uh, midday every day, just join the company chat and come in and talk crap." It's amazing; like people are finding new ways to make to make being at work fun, even when you're not at work. Because at work is no longer about like about where you are; it's about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's one of the most important things coming out of the, this situation we find ourselves in is that. You, you, you don't have to be in a brick and mortar office somewhere to work uh, for someone. Uh, you literally, a lot of people, you just need a laptop in front of you with a decent internet connection and you can work. Um, one of the, the companies I previously worked for, I think they're going or seeing uh, that now where the, the work that I kind of do in that is quite specialist and, and you kind of do need uh, maybe a bit of a, a higher grade laptop or, or PC to, to do the the, the imagery work and that um, but that they, they didn't uh none of our group had laptops per se we all just worked on desktops uh, at work um and and at home working was kind of like nah we don't really need that um but now they've closed their doors um, and all the people all the technical people that that uh, they need to do the work are uh, sitting at home uh, without a- anything to do uh, and they aren't able to do work um, so hopefully that this yeah is a bit of kicking the ass to people in absolutely Jerusalem.
1: again it's it's that the memetic virus has an attacked a weakness in their business it's attacked you know, like having staff that are bound to a desk is a weakness they should have changed our staff have been on uh, what we call autonomous time for years I think two and a half years now, where they technically aren't working in a specific time frame. They can come and go. They've got a job to do. They've got to figure it out. They can work from home if they need to. We have, we have a nice office environment. We want people to enjoy it. But if, if one of our kids, uh, one of our staff's kids, have a rugby game, go and you know watch the rugby, and figure out data. So because of that, we have one hundred percent of our staff are working off laptops. They all have webcams. Like it's everything has to work that way.
0: Yeah, uh, I hope this. is yeah, it does change and yeah hopefully it, it stays uh, once once this virus has passed and that these these things that we pick up now these these changes and, and we, like where you see the, the gaps and the failings in companies uh, where they pivot and that that, that, that they keep doing it um,
1: so they will yeah. be stronger uh, right they've built up an antibody to certain things and they'll be stronger because of it
0: Uh, I like that analogy, especially when talking about viruses. (laughs) Um, uh, And like schooling wise as well. Do you think there's a a gap there to take teaching and classes more online? Um,
1: Okay, so I I don't know how much you know about the Khan Academy. I would like you or any of your listeners to go watch a TED talk from the guy from the Khan Academy. And I'm talking about this is maybe uh, almost 10 years old. His argument was that teaching used to have to be done in classrooms because the the the, limit, the people who had limit or had the knowledge were limited. So you would come to the classroom, you would do the teaching, you would get taught by a teacher who was a subject matter expert, and then you would go home and you do your homework. Now, I dropped maths um, because my school made us choose between maths and business economics, and I must say I'm very glad because I'm a business person. My son is a maths and physics nerd. He gets like close to 100% from maths and physics. When he comes home, like, I can't even pretend to do homework with him. Like, I just have no clue. So what the Khan Academy guy said is he said, we shouldn't be teaching our kids at school and doing homework at home. We should be doing the lessons at home. The homework should be going online and watching a lesson from the best teacher in the world on a particular, you know, category theory. So Callum comes home and he watches a video on category theory, and then he gets given a bunch of questions on this program, and he goes back to school the next day, and he sits there and he starts working through his homework at school, but when he's stuck, he then turns around to his teacher and says, hey, Benji, how do I solve for this problem? And so he's getting access to the lessons and being able to do it, you know, that way. If, again, we try to reframe this, that we're getting, you know, if we have 100 teachers Getting online at Cura Schools, who owns most of the schools in South Africa, and these teachers are all trying to teach classes, it's so ludicrous. One teacher needs to teach the classes, and 100 teachers need to be ready to answer questions. That's the model. So we should be learning and being smarter because of this. But we shouldn't, again, be trying to replicate what we had. We should be trying to enhance what we had. So I'm very curious to see how education handles this.
0: Yeah, I I know my brother is actually a, a student teacher uh, at a quite a big school uh, back in our hometown and that, and they are really looking at, at doing that kind of thing as as either or, or maybe mainly from filming uh, classes and lessons and that, and then kind of making it freely available uh, to their students via internet uh, if possible. Um, but even if they have to, say, like, burn it on a, a CD kind of thing uh, and, and get it out to the, the kids. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see yeah, you know, what happens. After I'd be surprised this if kids
1: actually have CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I, it,
0: yeah, I think everything these days is generally freely accessible, as long as you've got a, a decent internet connection. Um
1: and that's something so, yeah. that's still solvable, right? That's something we can still do. We can you know, there's a there's an area that we can ramp up employment of if people are losing their jobs, we can be rolling out more infrastructure, more data and infrastructure to places. Look at companies like Amazon, Amazon has hired 100,000 people, because people are having more deliveries. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Yeah, it's that, that's a, a ludicrous number of people
0: if you just think from for what from Absolutely. one business.
1: In my mind, in every single industry, in every single industry, somebody is about to benefit. And when that one person benefits, the ecosystem that is in that person's universe benefits. Even like the restaurant business. I mean, and it's this might sound horrible and like exploitation, but it's um this guy I was speaking to in New York City, a friend of his just bought a bunch of restaurants. He had some capital, he'd invested well, and some people were worried that their restaurants weren't going to survive this. So he went out and bought a bunch of them. And he's able to sit on this and actually turn them into good delivery stores, keep the people employed, and then build out afterwards. So, you know, decide that's you. Decide you're the person that's going to build the business, and the people around you and your community, your universe, your staff, they're the ones who are going to benefit. Just don't take this line down.
0: Hmm. I think that's the, the main store or the main yeah, a story coming out of this is, is that you, you've, this is a time to fight, um, and it's it's a time to to think. Um, but but there are solutions to uh, these problems that have arisen, uh, and if if you want it, uh, and if you determine enough, and um, yeah, have the resources, knowledge wise, skill wise, at, at your your doorstep, uh, you are able to to get through this this difficult time. Um, like you've mentioned as well, the World War times and that, um, I think that probably was, arguably, a lot worse than what we're going through now. Um, and yeah, companies got through business, small businesses, little family businesses, and they got through. Um, they might even might have grown from it, uh, and they probably also learned a lot. of
1: Japan different... was decimated, decimated, so much so that they were able to build up from nothing and they built a stronger better economy I mean Japan punches way above its weight its weight class in terms of innovation and space and time and technology
0: mm. and you yeah, maybe in closing from your side uh, like you've said moving more things from like a missing link side of things moving conferences and talks and um, getting people international people um, to do Uh, talks in that via all all these different platforms, whether it be Zoom, Skype, whatever. Uh, Do you think that's something that is going to stick around for yourself and for other businesses uh, going on after this coronavirus has passed and who
1: knows how long? 100%. We're going to be pushing it hard, 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 hard. Like for me, I hope this will be a bigger business. But remember, we were preparing for this. We were preparing for this. Uh, For the last few months, not the coronavirus, but we've been trying to build uh, a online first business. We've been working with speakers, you know, I train speakers uh, all over the world and uh, we have a pages to stages product where we, we turn people's business books into keynotes and we train them and we get them ready. And all of our training has to be online. So we've been trying to we see this as a massive opportunity for us. This, again, is an accelerant. The mimetic virus component of the coronavirus is, is an accelerant on all the changes we need to make in our business. If businesses simply go back to where they were, then it's a travesty. Now, some businesses will, but many would. Some won't be able to because they've they've hibernated and died, uh, and they won't be able to work out the winter. As I said, Missing Link, it's not like we're in great shape. I mean, we've got like maybe two months of, of runway in the bank, and you know, I mean, there's a very real chance that we could go out of business, but we'll be okay after that. It's like we will be fine. So it's not like, oh, well, this guy's, it's all very well and good. him saying this, like, there's an opportunity in here, and everyone's got to look for it. For a lot of people who've got jobs, who've been talking about starting a business at some stage, this, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are going to be built out of this. You know, Microsoft and Apple, they all grew in, a, they were, they were founded in a recession everybody was closing your businesses, these guys were like, okay, cool. Well, let's try to build something. I think that's
0: yeah one of the things I've picked up, especially from people like yourselves. And that um, is that sometimes you kind of got to look at a recession as an opportunity. Uh, a lot of people when when they hear recession think get quite anxious and think only negative things. But yeah, if you if you just change your mindset a bit and start looking at that recession as an opportunity uh, as a, a as an open door for something different. Uh, and and new. Um, you, you kind of can build onto it and you know, kind of run yeah. with it.
1: Um, I mean, if you have any disposable income right like now, right, if anybody has any disposable income, every single company in the United States has just gone on sale. If you understand even from an investment point of view, when you buy a stock or a share, what you're actually buying is a percentage of a business at an agreed upon price. So if a business is worth 100 million rand and you buy, or let's say a business is worth 100 rand and you buy one share for one rand and uh, uh, with you know, ninety-nine other people, each of you own 1%. If that business is worth 100 rand and you're buying it for 50 cents, then you've bought a 100 rand business for 50 rand, you and your friends. So you've bought it on sale. And what's going to happen is we're going to rally out of this. And if we're not, it's because we're in some kind of crazy-ass zombie apocalypse where the last thing you care about is the money that you've lost, right? Like if the market, if the stock markets do not recover from this, uh, it's because things have got so bad that money is the least of your worries. So if you have disposable income right now, you know, this is the opportunity because your companies like Apple and Microsoft and Tesla, I mean, Tesla specifically has just gone on sale. It's It's now down there for a fraction of the price and you can go and you can build it up you can buy this and you can grow them. You know, there's a, a great term in um, investing called buy the dip. And you can buy the dip right now.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, like you say, when looking at, at buying shares or buying in buying businesses like like your, your friend has done, um, as well as for people entrepreneurs, whether they be one man shows or not to maybe start something new. Um, because you know, uh, there will be a lot of people sitting at home with quite a bit of time now, especially if you self-isolating for at least two weeks of that. Um, you can start taking that, that, those hobbies that you, or those ideas that you've had written down somewhere and kind of trying to materialize them. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely something I, I, I want to do, uh, or am doing. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you
1: just gotta figure out a way to get excited. There's something in there that's exciting. And you got to figure out what that is.
0: Well, thanks, Rich. I appreciate your time again. Um, Absolutely my pleasure. Time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoy the content, please remember that you can support the podcast uh, via Patreon and the link is below. And all support is welcome uh, and muchly appreciated.